I'm Nigel Flynn and this is my story of how my life was turned upside down by a brain injury four years ago. I will tell you how I've been getting on with that and how it wasn't the best brain wave I ever had. Episode 11. I could be king just for one day. It's an easy comparison to make between a hospital recovery ward and a wartime prisoner of war camp. The inmates all want to get out and the nursing and medical profession often behave like prison guards. The senior consultant was often referred to as the commandant as a reflection of the way he ran his kingdom. His weekly ward round was greatly anticipated, possibly even dreaded, though more by the staff than the patients. The commandant would visit each bed accompanied by his entourage, which one was tasked with taking notes directly onto the laptop computer pulled, up, pulled along on a chest-high trolley. The commandant was good at listening as each patient presented their considered pleas for early release or a change in their treatment. I myself took to regaling him of my sleepless nights and the disturbing dreams I was now having. He in turn merely adjusted my painkiller intake and, and instructed the trolley pusher to increase my dosage of whatever was the favoured opiate of the moment. I wasn't too happy about that, but hey, whoever said that the drugs don't work? Strange dreams were almost a tradable commodity, whether over the common room diner t- dinner table or during the consultant's ward round. It was as if the more damage this drug had done to the brain, the more active the brain chooses to behave at night. Another traded commodity in my case was Tato cheese and onion crisps. A cultural icon in Northern Ireland, packets of Tato were highly prized among expats living abroad and deprived of their favourite potato-based snack. When I recognised the familiar accent of a fresh young-faced student nurse, I bribed her with my supplies of packets of Tato crisps brought over by my mother on her occasional visits. In return, I received a variety of favours, from extra blankets and pillows to fresh urine balls, but never anything inappropriate. Books were also very tradable among patients who needed a fresh distraction. I found it difficult to read. Even one page at a time was a struggle, but I forced myself and eventually managed to complete Tony McCauley's Bread Boy in a 10 pages at a time sessions. I also tried to keep a diary, but even now I can't interpret the various wild scribbles which go up and down and across the page of that lovely leather-bound book that I had requested from my mother. I've tried many, many times and all I've managed to transcribe are a few figures recording my weight in kilograms. Television time was never an issue. Men rarely diverge from sport when deciding on what to watch in the TV common room. Even better, the Ireland rugby squad won a Grand Slam that year, but I couldn't remember staying awake for an entire match, though that didn't stop me from enjoying patriotic bragging rights. Maybe that's how I upset the grumpy ward sister. The prisoners of war never actually got round to forming an escape committee. We had been too easily spotted by the NHS Gestapo as we ambled our way slowly onto the train platform and our fleet of mobility aids and wheelchairs, clutching our forged discharge papers and our green plastic bags filled with medical supplies. The Gestapo was an appropriate term for many of the nurses, 
some of whom seemed to consider their patients as the enemy. Nurses were never slow to display their displeasure if a patient didn't do as they were told. I once had my wheelchair deliberately pushed into the middle of the room and well beyond my reach by an aggrieved nurse who told me, well, let's see how clever you are now. You might appreciate my help a bit more when you realise when you find that your wheels are a bit beyond your reach. Hospital visitors are a particular concern for the inpatient. It's always nice to get a visitor and miserable when you're the only person in the ward who doesn't get one. You're always glad to see a visitor arrive, especially if they bring gifts. But 15 minutes after they arrive, you wish they were gone. An update on your condition and an exchange of news, gifts, washing and some small talk. And then, can you go now? I'm tired. But we all like to get our money's worth. If visiting time is an hour long, don't feel you have to stay for it all, unless you've travelled a long way, like by plane, and with more bags of potato, cheese and onion crisps. I often lay in bed alone during visiting hours, envious of the other patients surrounded by their anxious families. I long to hear certain familiar voices at my bedside. But I also dreaded the weekly row with my wife, who would arrive to do the much appreciated laundry exchange, followed by some lies and abuse. There was no chance of her ever outstaying her welcome. She would be gone as soon as she could could be and had plenty of excuses as to why she had to be going. Excuses like, I've got other places I'd rather be. Eventually, the nursing, nursing staff in the ward asked me if I'd prefer to bar her from visiting because they thought she was only adding to my stress levels. But I thought it would be a bit harsh to bar a senior nurse from a hospital and so I consented to allow her to continue with her weekly mowing. After all, I did need someone to do my laundry. I did have a few other visitors, and I was always glad to see each of them. I remember one occasion when two of my gym buddies, Davy and Bill, came to visit, and they were allowed to wheel me over to the on-site coffee shop. For me, it was a significant moment of normality, when I felt grateful to be able to do the same things that normal people do, like go for a coffee. As is often said, it's the little things that count. Little things like wine gums. I had become addicted to a certain brand and always liked a big bag to be open beside me. They were easy to eat and they provided an alternative to the bland, tasteless food served by the hospital. Don't get me wrong, meal times were a great time filler, a chance for some social interaction and another opportunity for the nastier nurses to demonstrate their authority by wielding power over who got served first. One patient was caught with contraband wine in his bedside locker. All hell broke loose, but not before we'd all shared a post-prandial cup of wine. This has been my own production on Anchor. All rights and permissions are reserved by Nigel Flynn Media. A written version of all 35 episodes is available in print via Amazon. I'd like to thank Mel McCart for letting me use his original music, Paddy McGill for helping me with the graphics, and Elaine Raub for giving me the original idea. You can find me on Twitter on at Nigel underscore Flynn.